Good morning, church. Good to see you on a Sunday morning. Hope that you're well. If you need help, please call me, call the office, call your deacon. Appreciate you tuning in today. I want to look at Acts chapter 24 and Luke chapter 9. Looking at uh, inconvenient. It's not the right time. Wait a while. However you want to title it. I, I'll read uh, Luke 9 first. Luke 9. Uh, 57 through 62 says this. And it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. And from these verses, I want us to understand Jesus is not unsympathetic to life's problems or to family matters. I think rather he is reminding us that there is a time and a season for everything. And what he's saying is prioritize that the things of God take precedence over some of our wants and wishes. And then we pick up our story that I really wanted us to focus on with that as the background. In Luke chapter 24, we find where uh, Felix is interviewing Paul, the governor. It says, Some days, after some days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish, Jewish he sent for Paul and heard him concerning faith in Christ. As he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given him by Paul that he might release him. Therefore, he sent for him more often and conversed with him. But after two years, Porcius Festus, Porcius Festus succeeded Felix. And Felix wanted to do, do the Jews a favor, left Paul bound. Let's pray. Father God, as, uh, as we come before you and we look at this passage of Scripture, would you make it come alive for us? Would uh, you speak to our hearts as only you can? Father, would you just uh, have your way with us? And Father, will you uh, teach us from your word? I especially pray for those who are listening uh, this morning. That, Lord, uh, whatever decision they need to make, whether it's to follow Christ or rededicate or surrender to special service or, or just uh, to surrender burdens, Lord, that we would all do what we're supposed to do with this message. Speak to us. Let your word go forth in truth and power. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I think one of the chief sins uh, of mankind is procrastination. And I can say that because I'm guilty of that. God continually deals with me about that. My mother actually told Elizabeth, now you know that Gary takes forever to do anything. And uh, Elizabeth said that is the one thing my mother told her that was absolute truth. Some of the other things about me being perfect and this and that wasn't so true. But that was true. But I'm not alone in that. Uh, many folks have half-done projects scattering in their 
uh, garage or their workshop. Uh, many folks uh, have desks like mine that have a pile of papers here and a pile of papers there that need to be addressed and filed and put away. We're just going to do it at a more convenient time. But we need to understand that in life that's bad, but spiritually it's worse. We come to a section of Scripture where a man uh, deals with the sin of spiritual procrastination. His name is Felix. He was a procreator, procurator. I can't say the word. He was the governor of Judea. Okay? And we know that from Roman archives that he was there from AD 52 to AD 60. Felix's name means happy. But from what I see in Scripture, I doubt that he was ever really happy. He was always looking for a bribe here or a bribe there. History tells us that he, he left the office there when he was replaced, really in shame. And if it wouldn't have been that uh, one of his brothers uh, was friends with the emperor, he would have been exiled. Um, but the whole point is, he comes to a time in his life when God deals with him. The Apostle Paul had been arrested in Jerusalem after his third missionary journey. There was almost riots. Uh, the Roman uh, uh, tribune, Claudius Lysias, uh, uh, had arrested Paul and saved him from the mob. Uh, and he sent him to Felix. And Felix and his third wife, Drusilla, come before Paul and hear the gospel. As a matter of fact, they were under conviction and said that after he heard about sin and the judgment to come and, and the gospel of Jesus that, that he was afraid. He was under conviction. And he said he'd come back in a convenient time. But as far as we know, that time never came. He was there with Paul for two years talking to Paul, asking Paul questions, discovering about Christianity. Two years listening to Paul's preaching and teaching. Two years of opportunity to accept Christ and we're told he left Paul in prison to do the Jews a favor when he was relieved of duty. Never making that decision. That, that convenient time just never came. And so procrastination spiritually robbed Felix of salvation, of eternal life. And it brings to us the spiritual truth in clarity that when God offers a salvation, we have to accept it at that time and respond at that time because the time may never come again. When God offers us a chance to be spiritually right with Him, even if you've already been saved, if you're putting off what you want God, no, you know God wants you to do, don't put it off. You never know if that time's going to come again. We answer the call of God when it's offered. Or we may not ever get a chance to answer it again. And so, two or three things about this. First of all, we need to realize that procrastination spiritually puts our souls in jeopardy. Procrastination spiritually puts our souls in jeopardy. See, anytime we're playing with God, it's dangerous. Maybe we say, oh, at a later time, you know, I heard people say, hey, just give me out of this, I'll do this, this, and this. And then God gets them out of that mess, and they refuse to do what they said. And putting off God isn't just dangerous, it's deadly. Jesus spoke in strong and harsh terms about procrastination in spiritual matters. For example, 
In Luke 14, 15 through 24, Jesus gives us the parable of the king who prepared the great wedding. And in that day, you would send out invitations. The people would send them back and say, yes, I will attend, or yes, I will not. Then, according to how many you came, you would have a big meal prepared on that day. When everything was ready, you would send out your servants and tell people, everything's ready, come to the feast, come to the wedding celebration. And the people would come. And this parable... The servants went and the people began to offer excuses. One said, well, I bought land and I have to go see it. Had me excused. Another said, I bought ten yoke of oxen. I've got to try them out. Had me excused. The third one that's given this example says that, oh, I've gotten married. Please have me excused. All silly excuses that didn't add up, that didn't mean that they were excused. And then Jesus goes on to say, that God represented the king, as the king in that parable because they said they wanted to wait till a better time or a more convenient season. In verse 24 of Luke 14, God says, None of these men who were invited will taste my supper. In other words, they had missed their opportunity. They had missed their time. Spiritual procrastination is always deadly when it comes to putting God off. It puts our souls in jeopardy. Do we understand that? In Matthew 6.33, Jesus gave our, us our priorities when he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all these other things will be added unto you. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first, and all these things will be added unto you. Do we understand that? Do we understand that the moment God makes us that offer, that call, we accept or we reject? Now, God is gracious. God is loving. We may have another chance. But we've had the offer, and there may not be another chance. Oh, Brother Gary, you're just using those scare tactics like the old-timey preachers used to use. I want to tell you, the old-timey preachers were right. When you feel the Holy Spirit move, when you know God wants you to make a decision for Jesus, then is the time to do it. It puts your soul in jeopardy if you put God off. Every time you put God off, it's like rubbing a callus on your hand as you keep working, keep working. It gets a little harder. Next day it gets a little harder until you can't feel that pain from doing that work anymore. There's no more blisters. There's calluses. And that's on your heart. So there's a calluses towards the things of God. Until we don't hear the Spirit anymore. Until we don't hear God calling us anymore. See, procrastination is dangerous to our souls. Don't procrastinate anymore. The second thing, procrastination is detrimental to church folks. What do I mean by that? See, it's not just for those being saved. God wants to work in our hearts. God wants to do special things. And it's dangerous if we don't allow God to work, if we refuse God, if we put God off, it's dangerous to us as God's people. Hebrews 10, 25, uh, 24 and 25 says, Stir each other up to good works. And then it says, And do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some. Even so more is the day, you see the day approaching. What does that mean? Here's what I mean. All of us at different times have, have, have wanted to study God's word in a better way. Be more consistent. Maybe we've wanted to be better disciples. Maybe we've wanted to be uh, better witnesses. Maybe we've wanted to uh, learn to pray more. But then other things of the world keep us busy. 
See, we want to learn more about God's word, but we skip the hour that's set aside for small group study called Sunday school or special discipleship classes that we have from time to time. Because there's just so much to do and we just can't get it done. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But see, these people want to just put things off. Here's Felix wanting to just put God off. Just, just a little more time. You know, I'm, I'm in the middle of a lot of stuff. I, I'm a really busy, important, powerful man. Maybe, uh, you know, we want to do those prayer warriors, but we're just too busy to take the time to pray like that. We have lost family and friends that we need to talk to, but we never seem to get around to it. Something always interferes. Do we understand that spiritually, procrastination robs more Christians of their joy than anything else? See, the joy of their salvation. Most tragic is our attitude. All right? You see, this satisfaction sets in with the church when we procrastinate. We can't understand why we don't feel something when they sing. Why we don't feel something when the word is preached. Why we don't feel something, etc., etc., etc. Could it be we've procrastinated and put God off for so long that the things of God we're sort of cold to? And then we blame the pastor, we blame the deacons, or we blame the Sunday school teacher, or we blame mom and daddy. And the fault lies with us because it's detrimental to us because we've put it off. See, when God calls us maybe to rededication, maybe it's to a special surrender, maybe it's to work in the church in some certain way, or maybe it's to be a better witness for him, that's the day. That's the day we're supposed to join him. That's the day we're to get to work. That's the day to start that journey of whatever he's calling us to do. It's detrimental to put off God. Do we understand that? The third thing is this, procrastination isn't just dangerous to our souls, it isn't just detrimental to church folks. It leads to an inconvenient season that always comes. An inconvenient season, not a convenient season, but an inconvenient season that always comes. See, for two years, there's Felix putting Paul off. For two years, he hears the gospel. For two years, his heart grows harder and colder until he just wants the bride to let him go until there's an inconvenient season. He's out of time. He's relieved of duty. He leaves Paul where he is and he goes out. And history tells us he went out in shame. It was an inconvenient season. See, God offers us salvation. God calls us to certain things because he knows the timing is right. 2 Corinthians 6.2 tells us Behold, today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. Hebrews 9.27 says it's appointed once for a man to die and then comes the judgment. Festus, Felix, wanted to put it off. Felix wanted a different time. God knew the right time. He knows there's an appointed time for us to do certain things. There's an appointed time to be saved, an appointed time to serve, an appointed time to die. God knows it. And when he calls, he's given us that opportunity in his grace, in his love, in his mercy. He wants us to experience those blessings that he has only for us. And when we put him off, it leads to an inconvenient season that's going to come and it's too late. For instance, we know from the historical records that a few years after he leaves in shame, that Felix's son died in the eruption at Mount Vesuvius. I want you to think of that. Just a few years after he'd heard the gospel, just a few years after he had heard about Jesus, his son dies in that eruption. 
Can you imagine the comfort that he missed out on by not accepting Jesus? Not just the joy, but the comfort when his son died that he could have had because Jesus would have been right there with him. What peace and power could he have known? What, what would he have done if he had accepted Christ? His wife had accepted Christ. He could have told his son and he would have known that his son died in Christ. Not without hope, but with hope. He missed all that waiting for a convenient season till the inconvenient season was upon him and it was too late. Mm. He waited and it never came. So when I'm talking about that, we say, well, it's it's... Dangerous to our souls, it's detrimental to church folks, it, 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 it leads to an incon, inconvenient season that always comes. So what are a couple of the truths about procrastination in life? We need to remember that life at best is uncertain. James 4.14 reminds us, these people were saying, we will go to the such and such a city. He says, woe to you, who say we'll go to such and such a city, we'll buy and sell and make a profit. And then he says this. Yeah, you do not know what tomorrow holds. What is your life? It is even a vapor that is here today and gone tomorrow. Life goes faster than we can imagine. It seems like yesterday that my kids were my grandkids' age, and now they have kids. It seems like yesterday that I came here without any gray in my beard, and now I almost look like Santa Claus. Time flies by, and it's uncertain at best. We don't know what tomorrow holds. Blessings, danger, problems. We don't know, but God does. And so that's why he gives us the chances and the opportunities he gives us when he offers them, and we need to respond when they're offered. Have we responded the way we're supposed to offer? To respond? The second truth is this. An empty life is a great tragedy, even greater than a short one. See, we can chase after all the world has to offer. What will we have in the end? Jesus said this way, what will a man offer for his soul? Fame, fortune, no. What, what, what are we really going to leave behind? A good name, a good reputation. We'll leave behind maybe some children, if God blesses us with children, but... But are we going to leave behind a testimony for Jesus or just, well, you know, he was a good old boy and that's about all we can say. Are we going to find ourselves greeted by Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant, coming to the rest that was prepared for you? Or are we going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. Life can be very empty apart from Christ and taking advantage of our opportunities. I'll never forget something I read about Dwight L. Moody. Dwight L. Moody was preaching revival in Chicago, his hometown. On this particular night, he could feel the Spirit. He preached about hell and the judgment, and they needed to be saved. And he knew there was a lot of prominent businessmen, a lot of prominent people, a lot of educated folks in the crowd. He said, now I want you to go home tonight and think about what I've said, and tomorrow night I want you to respond. There's only a problem with tomorrow night. It never came for that revival. You see, I think it was October 8th and 9th. It was the great fire of Chicago. 
It destroyed over 3.3 square miles of Chicago. The wooden buildings just let fire leapt from one to the other. More than 300 people died in the fire, and over 100,000 were displaced. They were homeless because of the fire, not catting the, the businesses that were destroyed. The revival ended, and Dwight L. Moody, to his dying day, said, Some of those folks that died would have accepted Christ that night if I had given the invitation, but I put it off allowing them to a more convenient time so they could think about it. He said, to my dying days, I never put off an invitation after that because today is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. But not just salvation. What about rededication? What about church membership? What about surrender? What about uh, the joy of your salvation? See, when the kingdom of God draws near right now, it's as close as you'll ever be to it. It's sort of like the scientist I, I read about. He was from out around Arizona, and there was a certain bird that his, his group was studying, and he, they were hard to find, and he noticed they were flying in and out of this cliff. And there was a little cave-like structure there. So he climbed to the top of the hill, and he lowered himself down, and he swung into the cave as he rappelled down, and he got his feet down. Now, to make sure he could get out, he put his rope under a rock. And he was turning to, to get his notebook. He heard a sound. He realized, oh no, the rope had, had blown loose from the rock and it was swinging out. And he rushed to the edge because he knew that at his apex it would swing back. And that rope would never be closer than it was that first swing. And he had to catch it then if he was going to catch it at all. Or he'd be stuck in that cave and no one knew where he was at. He caught it and he put three or four rocks on it. The kingdom of God is as close right now as it's ever been because God is revealing things to your heart, to your mind, to your soul. Some need to accept Jesus Christ publicly as a personal Lord and Savior. Some need to come in rededication to live for Christ. Some need to surrender fully to Him as Lord, boss, master of their lives and make His kingdom the priority. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you as you seek His kingdom and His righteousness. I think some need to surrender their burdens you can't seem to get rid of them. The hurt, the unforgiveness, the things people have done to you. You need to surrender it to God and leave it there. Will you do that today? You're as close as you ever want to be to making a decision for God right now. Don't put him off anymore. He's given you one more chance. Will you do that? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time you give us to make decisions for you. Guard your word. Let it sink deep within our hearts and minds. Let it grow forth fruitful. And let us do the things you would have us to do. To the glory and praise of Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. Have a good afternoon. We'll see you next week. In his time.